This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. No, I'm fine. We got several. Good morning, Rutherford County. Uh, this is going to be a really interesting show because, of course, it's Greg Tucker's show on Mondays. But Mike Waller has showed up, and you guys had some interesting things going on last week. Tell me about it. Tell everybody out there about it. I don't know what's going on. Uh, Mike, did you... Uh... Have something you want to talk about? Well, I, I think. It, why don't you explain where we are with the situation, and then I'll... he he seems to be lost. He's he's acting like he doesn't know anything about what we're talking about. Uh, Mike filed a uh, an appeal against the Sea Environmental and Conservation Department. I think is what they call themselves, mm-hmm. and uh, got a lesson in. Uh, regulatory politics, appeared before a quite young and experienced uh, administrative law judge. But uh, to lecture a little bit about the law, if you have a dispute or a grievance with a regulatory agency, every regulatory agency at state or federal levels have an appellate or an appeals process, and you cannot go to a what we call a regular court, circuit court, until you have, in the phrase is, exhausted the administrative remedies. So you have no option. If you want to appeal or challenge what's been done by a regulatory agency, you've got to go through their own little court system. And uh, as you might expect, the administrative law judges are often hesitant to rule against their employer because they are employees of the regulatory bodies and mm-hmm. such. Uh, well, Mike is now free to go to circuit court if he wants, because he has exhausted the administrative remedies regarding the uh, proposed demolition of a small dam over on the Sam Davis Memorial property. And uh, what's your reaction to all that, Mike? Well, I, I wasn't aware of another step until just a little bit earlier, so I, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, to begin with, I want to start by thanking both of you for your, uh, your interest in preserving the history of the dam, uh, for your interest as mine in, in how a government agency can, can come in and destroy or approve to destroy a a piece of public property yeah. that's owned by our school board and the state of Tennessee and overseen by the trustees and Sam Davis. I just can't for the life of me understand um, how they could have that authority. 
And of course, in our appeal, we asked those questions, but we never got far enough to, to get those answers. Mm -hmm. uh, right. But I appreciate everything, especially Greg, his legal expertise and, and all of the, the work and documents he's prepared and filed. Uh, it, it's been a lot of behind the scenes motions and activities. Uh, and I was, as I was relaying just a moment ago, I, I think this young judge was really intimidated by by Greg. We went in in person. Uh, mm -hmm. They wanted to do a, a phone conference. We'd already had two or three phone conferences, but Greg, at his insistence, we went uh, went downtown and uh, had a court reporter there, uh, the two attorneys and the judge and myself. And uh, it was obvious to me he was he was he was intimidated by uh, the expertise that Greg displayed. The way he handled himself, but be that as it may, uh, he ruled in favor of the uh, Department of Environment and Conservation uh, to dismiss my appeal, and uh, ruled on a technicality which we call subject matter jurisdiction. Uh, and it was interesting. Clearly, we had a water quality issue, but uh, he, he, in fact, said you didn't say water quality. You said stormwater, mm -hmm. and uh, was really straining to uh, kind of do a, a balance. How many times did you say stormwater versus not ever saying water quality? And uh, I think he struggled quite a bit to do what he, he perceived he was expected to do, which was to stand up for the for the agency. I think the people in Tennessee need to know. <clears throat> what's going on with this type thing because uh, that's something you only see in movies where you have that type of control over um, basically uh, what goes on in the state of Tennessee, not only with their history, but, but also for other things. And this is something that most people don't have a clue of what's going on in these type situations. Well, and I can assure you as well, it's not a simple process, especially for a layman. Yeah. Uh, to, You've really to, done a to, lot of to, hard work on this. Well, line. it's been just a lot of investigation and yeah. research and talking to people and trying to glean the process mm -hmm. uh, because it's, it's not just clearly in black and white. I yeah. Mean, it's, it's in several different places. What did you learn about this uh, mitigation you know, that that has been a real educational experience because mm -hmm. uh, they don't want to talk about it. Uh, when I say I they, understand why. well, I do too now. But uh, after visiting with a couple of contractors, they were very open to talk about it, to provide us with copies of checks that they had been issued to buy the, the mitigation credits uh, to adapt water flow on their projects. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it's a necessary evil. I mean, it's the cost of, of them doing it, but uh, what, what they're paying for when they pay these hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy the, the mitigation credits, which the number of credits is also established by the Department of Environment and Conservation. Mm -hmm. when, when the uh, engineers do their study to do a subdivision or development it has to be a, if there's any running water anywhere on the standing water anywhere on the 
the project, they have to have it approved by this agency. And they establish how many mitigation credits are required for the privilege of altering the flow of water. Not not to correct it, not to adapt it, just for the privilege of being able to do it. And then they have to go and do the alterations that are, are necessary and required by the Department of Environment and Conservation. And looking at some of those pictures that they showed um, and talk and listening to them, uh, it, it's that's almost as bad as them selling property that you don't have title to. So that that uh, we really got a good education in those and have a better understanding of how that process works. Interesting uh, that the uh, entity that uh, is charged with demolishing the dam if it happens is a mitigation bank by state definition, which means they're the middleman that uh, if a contractor needs mitigation credits in order to do his project, he goes to the one of the mitigation banks, there's at least two in Middle Tennessee, mm -hmm. and the mitigation bank says, okay, write us a check for X dollars and you'll get X number of mitigation credits. Uh, and we learned that the credits that would arise from tearing down this small dam have already been sold. And we actually saw the checks written by two of the developers. One of them said, I paid $195,000 for literally nothing, except a piece of paper that says I've paid it. And then he's able to go forward with his project. We totaled up the amount of mitigation credit value from the dam on the Sam Davis School Board property. Mm -hmm. It's about $1.5 million that this mitigation bank will collect and the cost of actually demolishing the dam is about 500000 So there's a million dollar float in there. What I'm hoping, uh, because this is far from over, is that uh, there will be some money coming back to the school board, some money coming back to uh, the Memorial Association, mm -hmm. uh, rather than it just all going to this mitigation bank and being used for whatever purpose they want to use it for. Uh, and that's still very much pending. Do you know the developers? Where are they going to be developing their particular properties? Well, the one that uh, was most articulate, I thought, if you drive to Nashville, across from the Hickory Hollow development, there's a huge project going there. And he is one of them we talked to. Right. Century Farms, I believe it's. Yeah. Where they're building the new exchange, the new exit off of 24 yeah. to, to enter into it. What is their connection with the dam uh, on Sam Davis? They needed X number of mitigation credits for their project. I understand needed, that, but what is the connection with their project? The mitigation bank goes out and finds things that can tear down or build or demolish, whatever, and it collects the credits from the state. But, the, but there is no connection with their developments and in Sam Davis and Sam. Is Except that what you're saying? Mitigation credits they bought came from the dam on a pre-selling basis, which is interesting. See, it serves as a bank, mm -hmm. and it's selling these credits before it actually has them. 
but then it'll collect the credits in order to balance its books. Isn't that funny? <laughs> but there's really no reason for all that um, monies from, from the mitigation not to go to the Sam Davis and to the school board. And that uh, certainly, uh, after the cost of actually demolishing the dam are covered, all of this extra money really ought to go to the uh, property owners. And the, uh, in this case, we got two not-for-profit government-related property owners. In fact, technically, the uh, property belongs to the county and the state that's involved here. So none of this actually makes sense. Uh, I hate to use the word, but it's almost like a license to steal when you when you get right down to it. It's like, you know, some people have found ways that they can actually uh, own a home that they have paid not, no money whatsoever for and take it away from the owners. Where in, who writes all of this stuff up? I mean, it, 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 it's a complete monopoly is, is what you're saying. It's controlled by, I guess, TDEC, Tennessee Department of Environment and Conservation. And they even collect fees. They require mitigation from the state highway department, which is, you know, one pocket to the other pocket. But the highway department is on the list of those who have acquired the Sam Davis Dam credits, which have not even been generated yet, but you're working through a bank. To balance their books, they have to go out. You know, we sold this many credits, and now we got to go out and find this many credits. And that's what's going on. And uh, again, I guess I would back off and say that's, that's politics, except for the fact that Sam Davis Memorial and the school board aren't getting any value out of it. Well, and, and that sounds like you almost have to take a step away from that particular situation. And, and put it in a a circuit judge's hand. It really has no axe to grind with, with any of that that's going on. That, that is an option to look at. Uh, you, mentioned, you mentioned the law. I, I really think it's a very it's interpretation of a not very specific law. Mm -hmm. That's kind of my impression. Have you seen anything that even looks like an erosion of the dam itself? Or, or any particular thing that's causing more danger with that particular area? I don't know that it's causing more danger. It is eroded out on the school board side. Yeah. And I'm sure when we had the floods a few years ago, and the, you know, the, the water creek even got over the top of Sam Davis Road. Mm -hmm. I mean, tremendous amount of water. Of course, that creek drains the parts of Smyrna. I mean, it's a, it's a huge watershed primarily urban area you know, and, and most of the water runs out but uh, there is some road that uh, you know if it were mine a couple of months rip rap would take care of the issue but uh, you know that that we're a long way from from, uh, from that but having said that uh, it it Greg's, uh work with the state historical We've talked about this weeks past. Yeah, he's done a great job. Yeah, they have reversed their position. They've got the, the rest of the story about the historical significance of the dam. So that's under review by the State Historical Commission. I would, from what I understand, primarily, they change their position and say it is of historical significance. 
Well, they, first, they first said it has no historic value and everything was going forward. We provided them some information which we got from the uh, Board of Trust uh, information, uh, the board of the Sam Davis Memorial. Uh, and they withdrew their position and took it under further study. So there's yet to be another position. But in the meantime, <laughs> the interesting thing is got the authority. The historic commission told the uh, U.S. Army Corps of Engineers to stop the project. And the Corps of Engineers has stopped the project. So for the time being, it's, it's on hold. You know, if you guys had gotten involved, um, it, it would be just another thing that passed over without anybody having a clue. I would like to know what the history is of that particular uh, situation and how it's been utilized and how many people have uh, been able to fatten their pockets, you might say, over these types of situations. Well, they're always engineers and uh, contractors and uh, experts in the field, so to speak. They benefit from all this. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if I was in the business of demolishing dams, I'd be pushing to demolish everything in the state. Uh, so there is a, a blue of those who benefit just from work. But I don't want to keep that work going. One of the person I can think of, I might, is Mayor Bill Kitcher. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he took an interest in the, the situation. At his uh, encouragement, the Sam Davis Board of Trustees has decided to reevaluate their position. Mm -hmm. um, so that is ongoing as we speak. And uh, he, yeah, he's he made reference to their indication that they were going to negotiate a, a memorandum of understanding with this mitigation bank that uh, when all the work is done, the remaining divided up property owners and the bank. Well, you take somebody on the, the mayor Ketra representing the people of Rutherford. And when you do that, that's a pretty loud voice. When you, you, uh, evidently, I doubt if anybody's ever told it. If you go back and look at the history of it, because most people don't even have a clue what it means or anything. The mitigation of some, an erosion where people would collect money off of it. it, it just who who would have ever thought of that? Well, in their, in their public notice, a little sign by the road didn't even have a phone number. You know, it just said it's about the Tennessee Department of Conservation and Environment. Well, for the purpose of generating mitigation credit, that's correct. Nobody at the outset had a clue what that meant. At least none of the local people saw the sign. Yeah, yeah, so it, it obviously nobody's ever challenged. I would be surprised. Yeah. What 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 was it that fired you up? Just curiosity. I live close by, and uh, I kept seeing this sign. Stopped one day. Uh, then I went and saw my neighbor, Victory, Esther, and talked to them about it because uh, they live right on the, uh, the creek as yeah. well. And uh, they weren't aware of anything about it, but they, they knew a lot of the, the history and the knowledge it was. Uh, and I kept asking the young man that I finally got in touch with at the uh, Department of Conservation and Environment. 
had the landowner. He said, well, he, he, he didn't want to talk to him about it. Um, so I, I friend Wayne Blair had just gone off with a school board as chairman and is now a county commissioner. And he didn't know anything about it. He never heard of it. He assured me that something had come from the school board or the commission either one pertaining to residents of Smyrna, especially something like San Diego or something, he, he would have called. But he uh, he went and talked to their uh, attorney and others to make sure he had missed it somewhere. So that, that, when, I, when I learned that, it just really didn't seem right. And being a an old farmer, Property owner, you know, I you take pride in the property owner, mm -hmm. and uh, not to mention, I, I involved as a young person, a lot of uh, soil conservation boards, and did a lot of conservation. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. It's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Adams Place is a premier senior living facility in Murfreesboro. Our residents say the chefs at Adams Place run the area's best restaurant. Call us at Adams Place and arrange a tour today. Adams Place Residential Living Director Terry Deal. Offering independent living, assisted living, memory care, health care center, and on-site rehabilitation. Adams Place is at 1927 Memorial Boulevard. People bring a lot of their family heirlooms to Bell Jewelers, things that they inherited, and they don't know if the pieces have any value, if they're costume, if there's a little bit of value or something very valuable. So Bell Jewelers has the gemologist on staff that can help let you know what needs to be appraised. I'm Greg Tidwell at Bell Jewelers. The oldest retail store in Rutherford County. Northwest Broad, across the street from Toots. Bell Jewelers. At Bud's Tire Pros, they care about those who live and work here because you're a big part of what makes this place great. This is Kay Mitchell at Bud's Tire. Come by and see us at Bud's Tire, 3600 East Main Street, or call 896-TIRE. They will be here through the good times and the uncertain times. For those who are out on the road, stop in today to see their full lineup of Michelin tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin has a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, they're essential, they're open, they're local. Visit them online at BudsTireProsTN.com. Now an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. Police have arrested two men in connection with the September 27th murder of Javarius Malone in the yard of a Gunderson Avenue home. 18-year-old Corey Lillard Jr. and 17-year-old Juvenile are both charged with first-degree murder. Lillard is being held in the Rutherford County Adult Detention Center with a bond set at $300,000. 17-year-old is in custody with no word on his bond. Something stinks in Murfreesboro and officials are still trying to figure out what it is. The Republic team at Middle Point Landfill provided an update on their efforts to determine potential sources of 40 reports of potential off-site odors. 
The landfill is installing 30 new or replacement landfill gas extraction wells, which will further optimize gas collection and control systems. Crews are accelerating work plans to complete the project as quickly as they can. Police in Smyrna on the lookout for suspects in a theft in a parking lot of Stars and Strikes Family Entertainment Center. September 12, five individuals broke into a vehicle in the Stars and Strikes parking lot. A computer, a Nintendo Switch, and some fireworks were stolen, and the suspects allegedly discharged the fireworks in the parking lot. There are pictures posted online at WGNSRadio.com and a number to call if you think you recognize the suspects. On its National Fire Prevention Week, the 2020 theme is Serve Up Fire Safety in the Kitchen. The campaign works to educate everyone about simple but important actions they can take to keep themselves and those around them safe. The National Fire Prevention Association says cooking is the leading cause of home fires and home fire injuries in the United States. News on demand 24-7 at WGNSRadio.com or follow us on Twitter at WGNSRadio. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. Hey guys, prioritizing your health is now more important than ever. Not only to build your immune system, but to address chronic health issues that you may have. I recommend Low T Center. They exclusively specialize in men's wellness and follow strict medical guidelines for your health and safety. Low T Center has reinvented the doctor's visit, making it easy to get all of your levels checked, not just your testosterone. It all starts with an annual wellness exam where they do a comprehensive health assessment so you know all the numbers important to your health. If you've been feeling tired, grumpy, have noticed weight gain and loss of muscle mass, those could be signs of low testosterone levels, low thyroid, or even sleep apnea. Low T Center can determine the cause and help. And now they offer monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments, providing convenience and additional health monitoring measures for your safety, including a take-home blood pressure monitoring cuff. Self-inject at-home treatments are $135 a month for self-pay or covered by most health insurance. Book your annual wellness exam today at LowTCenter.com. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. Sunny this afternoon, high in the low 70s. Tonight's mainly clear and low near 43. Sunny on Tuesday, warmer with a high of 77. Tuesday night, low near 49. I'm meteorologist to Laura Lockwood on News Radio WGNS. Right now, 50. Premier Six Theater is open. They're excited to see you again and will be showing some classic movies you'll be sure to enjoy. Check MurfreesboroMovies.com for showtimes for Premier Six Theater. They're now open. From NHC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Are we back on yet? <coughs> you are. <laughs> hey guys up there, give me a give us a hint. We're back. We're back, and we were talking a lot about government regulation. That's a dull subject. But the government, from time to time, try to change human behavior. Yeah. 
And the biggest experiment in the United States history uh, along those lines is what we call prohibition. We uh, usually relate prohibition to the 1920 period. Alcohol. Alcohol, yeah. yeah. Consumption of alcohol. Well, Tennessee was way ahead of the curve on that. In 1902, effective July 1st, 1903, the state of Tennessee banned alcohol. And, uh, you know, that's 20 years before, almost 20 years before the federal government prohibition. But, but did they ban it in Cannon County? They banned it as uh, an illegal activity. Of course, that gave birth to a very uh, aggressive industry in Rutherford and Cannon County yeah. called bootlegging. Yeah. But the state that made the price go up, right? But uh, interesting to note, uh, the largest liquor dealer in Murfreesboro in, 19, uh -oh, in, in 1902 was a fellow named Lee Guggenheim, and his business location was called Googs, G-U-G Lee Cunningham, though, in uh, the last four months before July 1, 1903, when uh, the ban went into effect, had a big sale, and he advertised it in the uh, the news free press, Murfreesboro paper at the time, and I think he was in part showing his contempt for the, the law because he literally was closing. He says, I will sell out my entire stock of fine wines, whiskeys, case goods, cigars, and tobacco as well as his candies, at prices that, and his characterization was, uh, prices that will serve suffering humanity. Uh, in other words, he's going to shut down, and he apparently did. Uh, what I haven't figured out yet is quite where Lee's business was located. But in protest, he just simply announced, and he did it four days and four months in advance of the effective date of the ban. So uh, he sounds like a pretty good businessman. He was having a clearance sale. But that's Googs, Lee Guggenheim. The newspaper said, the largest liquor dealer in Murfreesboro. And he went on to say that he was a friend of the poor. He was going to have a big sale. I would love to. But doesn't he have to file a particular location when he has that sale? He may have had uh, advertising all over the town. This is what appeared in the newspaper on the front page. Uh, and uh, I'd, I'd love to know how well he did. I suspect he cleared his inventory. Now, what about the guys that, uh, you know, that had the bootlegging up in the mountains, things uh, like that? Uh, what an advantage for them. Yeah. I mean, expanding their market. Eliminating uh, competition. Yes. Well, I wonder where Capone uh, was at this time. Probably, he, probably still he, in primary school. Yeah, he probably would be. 1900. But Tennessee was ahead of the curve, so to speak. You know, a lot of people, uh, it, it was a business that most people would stick their nose up at. But, but a lot of these people, you, you're looking about in the 20s and the 30s, they didn't have a place to work or anything like that. And they had farms that really didn't have anything 
rocking. And they had to make money somehow, so they brought in the recipes from the the, the families where they came in. And uh, um, I've come across that here. I've come across that attitude. One of my neighbors, my mentor, out in Donald's Chapel, was a teetotaler. I knew he was. His family had been. And uh, right up in the back of the hollow, up in this place, was uh, Mr. Jernigan's operation. Mm -hmm. And he was big time. He even did some federal time in mm -hmm. uh, uh, moving the, the product. And I asked Spooner Bowman one time, I said, well, what about uh, the people up there in the hollow? Did they object? And he says, no, no, it was good for the economy. Yeah. Bless their hearts, I tell you what, as long as they didn't make it in uh, old radiators or something like that. Yeah, lead poison. Yeah, lead poison. Uh, well, there was another fellow who about the same time provided a service. Actually, it was 20 years later. But uh, you you are too young to remember him personally, perhaps, but I'm sure you know like J.P. Leather. Oh, yes. J.P. Leather may have served longer than anyone else as our county court clerk almost 50 years. He got elected in the 1900s and served until the 1950s. Uh, but uh, he, <laughs> I learned for the first time what the P stands for. I've always known Jim Leathers, was P Leathers. P stands for Porter. I'll do some research to see what the connection was. Uh, James Porter Leathers. And the reason I Close to him is his sister, Maddie Sue Leathers, was my great grandfather. Oh, wow. Family connection in there. Yeah. But JP always looking for, well, he uh, was financially rather successful because he was an auctioneer. And his auctioneering frequently gave him a good platform for his politicking. And also, he continued to be an auctioneer, auctioneer on through his tenure. The county court, county court clerk. So he was well off, but he uh, always wanted people to appreciate that he was uh, serving the people in the county. And I learned recently that he set up the first water cooler, uh, water cooler on the fire. Uh, he got a big bucket, put a spout on it, filled it with ice, filled it with water, and set it out in front of his office door at the courthouse. And glasses, real glasses that he lined up that they would wash occasionally so you could take your glass and get your ice cold water. And this was back about 1922. And I invite anybody to run it along. That was the first water cooler at Murfreesboro. I don't think there were that many people that were alive 1922, still not here. Not many, but a few. Yeah. So you're pretty safe. That's right. That's the good thing about being an editorial. Unless, unless somebody has really got an axe to grind with Greg Tucker, there's no way that they're going to challenge him. Well, there are, there are those with uh, areas of expertise. We have a section in the, the County Historic Society newsletter where from time to time, a picture and kind of challenge somebody to figure out what it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, the last issue, we had a picture of twins, grown up mm -hmm. in uh, swimsuits, 
a couple of boys and uh, knew that they were part of a very prominent family in the area. And uh, so I ran the picture and challenged anybody to come up with what's the family name for these twin adults. Mm -hmm. Two boys do look a lot alike, except for the silly bleeding, like 1920s-style bleeding suits they were wearing. And they're in California on the beach in the picture. And they gave a little number to, I said, this family had an incredible impact on the economy. And even the geography of the county. Well, I got a call a couple of days ago. Familiar voices. Greg, has anybody guessed that yet? And I said, no, nobody's come up with it yet. And he says, well, I think I've got it. And I said, well, what do you think it is? He said, that's the Ransom family. Hmm. I said, you got it. How'd you get it? He said, well, you gave me first name of the twins. Mm -hmm. Willis. And he said, I know that there was a mayor with that name, first name. So Larry Lamb talks about the mayors of Memphis. He's an authority. He has researched the mayors of Murfreesboro forward. And he uh, and went to it and uh, so figured it out. Uh, there are quite a few people in Rutherford County who know a narrow history because they got interested really researched it and uh, I've learned to call them. I get close to that area. So what are the chances of it being accurate? Now you say they have their knowledge of this. Yeah. Now, well, if you want to know something about um, genealogy and material on the uh, east, particularly the southeast side of the county, you call Steve King. Mm -hmm. And he'll give you more information than you ever wanted or needed. Uh, that's an area he's just taking an interest in because it's his family and yeah. is involved in all that. And uh, uh, one example. You know, I went upstairs to my house this weekend. First time in a long time. Oh, it's been two years upstairs in the house. Of course, I just had heat and air and everything put in there. But it was interesting because I had 1921. In 1922, annuals of Kittrell High School in there. Oh, you need to share those. And I had so many of uh, Of course, my family all came from that area. And uh, I, I was looking up, and I saw pictures of, of uh, some of my aunts and uncles that I had, and, and they were way over 100 years old right now. But it was just so interesting looking at that, and it seemed like the last names never changed in those particular areas. I can understand why Steve is so interested in that because I was fascinated by looking at different cases in, in those particular annuals and everything like that. And uh, it was, uh, I, I, I know now why you get so interested in history of, of uh, especially what goes on in county because if, if you look back, it seems like families never change. You go from one decade to the other, and, and it pretty much stays the same. We got deep roots right here in Butterfield County. It's amazing. Now, where's your bunch from, Mike? We're from West Tennessee. Oh, bless Denver, your heart. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, small family. <laughs> uh, it's it's interesting. You ask uh, the 
story as I recall. I'm not a genealogist, but my great great grandfather and his uh, brother uh, headed west, mm-hmm. and one settled in the community of Hornsby, Tennessee, and the other one kept going uh, west. Never was heard of again. But in, in one of Craig's books that he wrote about old Jefferson, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, is there not a picture of a group of men, a family, a Waller grocery? Yeah. And the gentleman to cover on the inside with pages. Oh, my. like him. So it's something I should probably get involved in and do some research. Yeah. I just hadn't taken time to do it. Well, genealogy, take it seriously. There's no There's always oh. another branch. Yeah. Right. And uh, there's several. Of course, we have a kind of just uh, uh, Susan. Uh, is Daniels. Susan Daniel. No S. Thank just, you. No. Thank you. Thank you there, Truman. Mm-hmm. Uh, genealogist. Uh, research in genealogy. You can start with her and lead on it. I see we were talking earlier getting torn down in uh, north going north uh, it's going to change here here's uh, the, uh, what we call the housing project behind Oakland uh, apparently they're going to demolish it all of it a substantial portion of it that's uh, over 70 years old Back in the 1948, 49, 50, first there was the uh, uh, urban which cleaned up what we call the bottoms. But then following that, a young attorney named Eddie Sitton, mm-hmm. uh, keeping his eye on the federal register, saw that there was federal money available for new housing, particularly housing for uh, subsidized situations. And uh, he put, he convinced the city to set up a housing authority. And uh, I think uh, he said a lot of credit for being the one to bring it up and to work through the details. And he became the first executive director of the Mercer Housing Authority. And most people are not even aware of the housing authority. It's almost a parallel government within its area where it has responsibility, which is a lot of development property around the city as well as the mm-hmm. housing projects. Uh, it's basically a parallel government. Appointed the boards by leave the first borough uh, leadership, but uh, operates almost independently. It's own budget. But in the early 50s, they decided it's a developed housing project. Why two? So still a segregated period. And they decided that be a housing project, subsidized housing for the black population over near what was the black high school all the way. And that would be at the same time developed a project for the white population. And that one has pretty much disappeared. That one was January. Out, yeah, New Salem, yeah. out in that area. And uh, those two were built. And about 10 years later, they decided 
and one that's now in question may be coming down over behind in fact if you walk around the old mansion it's literally open fence right up very close behind and i think at the time uh ones had been redeveloped and preserved but all of the farm property behind it went to this development and uh, i actually checked see just what the plan is but when they demolished one of them over near hallway they rebuilt like modern townhouses, which is still substandard. It's probably what's going to happen here in Oakland. But uh, if anybody's got any sentiment about the housing project, they can get over there and make some pictures. A lot of it's getting ready. They've already fenced around like they did before, before demolition. Interesting, too, the first chairman was from outside the area, Carl Hickerson. Uh, there's a Hickerson over near uh, Cannonsburg for Carl because all that was housing authority Maine as well. Um, but he oversaw the construction of the first two housing projects. And then uh, uh, was uh, went out as the executive director, continued the board, he continued his uh, council. Uh, attorney for the housing authority. The new fellow was brought in uh, who had a particular background in the housing authority operations. He took over as executive director. I had occasion to read through all the minutes of that period for the housing authority. And uh, at one meeting, they called on him for his report. And he said, well, I'm afraid I've got a problem. He said, uh, there has to be a strict federal for the housing funding that said uh, no self-dealing. And self-dealing broadly defined to include buying and ordering for the housing from companies that are affiliated with board member or anything like that. It turns out building materials in large part uh, for the first two housing projects were purchased from building projects which was owned by Carl Dickerson. Uh, oh, that was just a mistake. Just a mistake. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting when you read the minutes. Carl Hickerson, I think as chairman of the board, opened the meeting. When the meeting closed, somebody else is chairman of the board, and he submitted his resignation. Uh, uh, government regulations can be very demanding you know, housing projects have never been what they intended to be. They're, they're a place that draws um, uh, people who prey on others and people who actually uh, have earned a spot in those particular problems become uh, victims of all those others. And, and they, they're not really set up. They should be to uh, give those people a home, a safe home. Uh, you, you have older people mostly in there, and they become victims of so many young people that come in and just take over those projects. And that was that's one of the biggest problems we've had in this country because uh, uh, the police go in there to try to protect those people, but uh, um, they're, they're 
control the bad guy controls good people so much that they're afraid to reach out and, and call him again. And that's been one of the biggest problems that we've had in those structures. And I and I still don't believe in congested buildings where where you allow those things to happen. Well, you'll hear uh, about housing projects that are going to come down with standard housing that uh, you know, in the ghetto. At the time they were built, obviously. Yeah, Larry, Larry and Stewart and Bobby, uh, who played, played for MGNU, that's where they spent it when they, when they came in. And he said it was the best place to ever live. Well, which was amazing. When the subsidized housing land and bill was releasing some very severely standard housing. And, uh, you know, seven years, I think it's probably fair to say that changed. Uh, at the time that they were built, there was a step up to the residents. Mm-hmm. Well, I, there's no way that you can do anything that's just completely okay when you're trying to take care of, of all those people. But, but when you spread out uh, crops and, 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 you know, when what was the, the group that Dan associated with? There was I like that people are more proud of, of something that they own that right. And, and, and they actually earn their right to be in those particular houses, which is pretty neat. You, you did that well, didn't you, Mike? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. He was one of the kind of ones. He really was. He really was. Good friend. Yeah, and he knew how to reach in to other people. And uh, it was amazing how many things he was involved with yeah. at that time. And along those lines, Saturday at Gila Hardware and Smart, we're having a panel bill for the habitat where three rotary clubs in the county will come together and uh, they'll bring in a stack of two forks and uh, framing materials. And we'll build stations uh, to, to the house and then load them on the trailer and carry them to the next site where they put the section together like 84 lumber company does with rafters and things like that. So that's this Saturday that deals hard for it. Boy, that's a, that's a name that's been there forever. It deals hard for it. Yes, sir. Is she still over there? She is. She is. Candy, her sister, has uh, sold the service station. Mm-hmm. But uh, they two got Hardware store, uh, the restaurant, all of that, that corner there. They got that was a shopping center at one time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And you, I, I drive with it's like uh, Jefferson Park and other places. I don't, I don't um, see what I used to see anymore. Well, they used to have restaurants and barbershops, yeah. more businesses. Like other communities, Smyrna's really good. Changed and a lot of just moved out. Out Sam Ridley, uh, Almaville. But Jenny is, is uh, she's busier now. Than yeah, with all the pandemic, staying at home. Do it just just she offers a great service, and there's not much that you could need around your home that you can find in, in her hardware. Yeah, that's her heart. You know, I feel. Hard. 
people like they live out in the country, like Donald's Channel and places like that. You know, you don't have any, any stores close by or anything. It, they have to drive 15 or 20 miles before they can fill up with gas or anything like that. 10 miles. 10 miles, yeah. I've measured it. <laughs> any direction. In my, it makes you put your head, it? <laughs> had a visit and one to put that man. I'm about to get it well. You know, we ain't got a camp yet. Yeah, you know, perfect name for a farm out there. What do you think? Morning ride farm. Morning ride. Morning ride. What do you think about that? would be a great name. Sounds good. Yeah, what does that imply? What, morning ride? Yeah. Call that. I, if I were buying that place and I drove up there in the morning and looked at it and it was something. Really I would think I've I've uh, this while we're out riding in and, and it was like I ran up on all of a sudden. Picture most people have is mounting up the horse, trotting out of country as rises. Doesn't have anything, but it's a good image. <laughs> How many times have you been on a horse had had a horse. Well, we had phone in. Yeah. One of the folks that was supposed to be for me to ride, and I did. Like me. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I can't imagine Cora not doing horse. Uh, she up to grow up to a horse. Or, yeah. She's not. Yeah. As dressed as he is, he's got to have a Well, she's got great car, and that's been, been the big and her dad work on cars. <laughs> We've recently acquired one nineteen sixty-three BMW. Oh, I thought you had sixty-three. Yeah, sixty-three. I believe it's sixty-three. But uh, it won't be running for a while. Yeah. <laughs> he picked it up for about two fifty, yeah. and uh, to get it with a trailer, <laughs> drug it. Uh, my son is particularly fond of the BMW and will not let anybody. Yeah, he's got three, not counting the one drug in. Uh, you have a son, Jesus. Where in the world did he get his brain for all? From his mother, I'm sure. Yeah. <clears throat> have to be. Well, you know, Harry uh, Hodge, he was going to head down to and they closed it for some reason. I don't know if it's for the. The virus, I can't imagine anybody is over than that area. But uh, he's gone down to my favorite place, the Keys down in Florida. He's gone, he's gone down to um, Key West. And uh, he found a place to stay down there, which was, to me, that's the best way in the world. Yeah. You go down there and it's just away from everything. just beautiful down there. And you're actually on the... Um, the Gulf and the Atlantic at the same time. Uh, down that way, right Tortugas and Fort Jefferson. The what? The Tortugas. It's the, really the. It doesn't end Key West, but Key West is the southern point, so we call that. The, but just a little further west, north, and about a boat ride, you get to. 
the tritortus, which is the I've never heard of. I think it has been down there. Fort Jefferson was built, uh, I believe, by the Yankees to uh, extend the blockade when they were trying to blockade the Confederacy. And uh, the fort's still there. And, uh, some unique wildlife on the tortugas. Nobody's torn down all this time. you got to be kidding. Calling the material back across to the mainland, I guess, would be difficult. Mm-hmm. I wish that was done. Yeah. I mean, you have no wind. It's just unbelievable. And of course, uh, it, I don't know if you remember the movie uh, uh, Key Largo. Yeah. And they're talking about how hot it was, all that stuff. I don't ever get that as hot as they were fixing it. But storms, that is a, a bad place when the hurricanes come through. It was Hurricane They had just. The uh, railways in Key West and Hurricane along and the railroad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Betsy. Hurricane Betsy, that's what it was. Have you, have you ever been swimming down there? Yeah. It's, it's sort of the clearest water I've ever seen. Clearest water of the uh, East Coast. Yeah. You, you go down there and you can see about every time. That's in the and it, me swimming down there is just it's the most remarkable. Uh, Jackie and I used to go down there and we camp out at, at Marathon, and I could literally uh, dive my camper door into the ocean. It was just and you go down there and you're just like, uh, good Lord, just another window. It's just a beautiful place. I believe it's the only underwater national park. Maybe it's a state park. But there's an area that's the bottom of the mm-hmm. for the diving incident that's actually as a national park. Yeah. All right. We've run out of time. Anybody, y'all want to see anything before we leave? I've seen it. From what you're saying, I don't go to the uh, circuit court and get all this fired up again. Well, I'm not sure. You, you have gone above the news and already are trying to clear up some of these technical difficulties and hopefully we'll have them all fixed by tomorrow's show. Time right now, 10.07. Where is the best barbecue in town? In 1920, East Main, the best barbecue for miles around is in 1920. East Main, you can buy it by the pound sandwich platter or plate. No matter what you choose, it will taste great. You can come with a friend by yourself or with a date. Just lick the pig barbecue. Barbecue pork, beef or chicken, Brunswick stew, great sides, lunch specials, down home atmosphere, and they cater. Slick Pig Barbecue, it's the best.